day. It's Friday, July 15th, and you are listening to and watching Revival and Souls Radio with Pastor Cletus and Lady Nicole. Are you in the house? I'm here. Hey, okay. hey, hey. And we are live. Alive. Yes. We are alive, and we are and live, live from Deliverance Bible Church in Hearst, Texas, where since 2016, God is moving and real revival real. is happening. I'm going to stress the word real, okay, because revival is talked about in every different flavor and yeah. concept, and I don't know. But hey, the real thing's happening. It's been happening for six years. Exactly. And it's been pretty awesome. And uh, there's nothing like what's been happening around here. I, I'll tell you that. We've been in revival two or three times, I guess two times, really, two yeah. real outpourings ahead of this. But uh, what's happening now is unlike anything else. Amen. I mean, there's definitely pieces and parts that we receive from other places, but a big move of God is taking place right now. So if you've never Amen. been in revival, we're not even inviting you to our church. We're not even asking you to be a member. We're not asking you to be a visitor everywhere. You know, we're not, I'm telling you this, drop in, drop in and say, Holy Ghost, if you're moving here, I'll take everything you have. And if you look in the chat, I guarantee tonight you're going to find people that have been in these meetings and their lives have been changed once in, I mean, forever, yeah. honestly, yeah. never the same. Can't think of anything the same ever since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it is the real thing, the real, 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 real thing. Praise the Lord. It really is happening. And we have a lot going on tonight. You know, before we do anything, let's welcome the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to do that. Wherever you are, yes. just begin to welcome him into the place that you are. Come, He's Holy the Spirit. most important person in every mm. room, and we love him. Holy Ghost, we love you. We welcome you. We just yield to you. We just say, have your way tonight. And everything that happens, we ask that you would greatly pour out your blessing and your power and your anointing and your grace upon each and every person listening tonight and watching. Father, just right now, we just release everything you've been doing here. For six years, we just release it right now. That anointing goes to every person listening and watching. Father, powerfully touch their lives tonight, and we ask that you just reveal your great will and purpose for our lives and the future of what you have for us, even our nation, and we just say yes, yes, yes to everything you want and desire, yes, and we want to see Jesus glorified, and in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight, if you have questions, I'm just taking over. Well, you have it. questions, you have comments, you have prayer requests. You can use the chat, which many of you are already doing, but you can always, seven days a week, 24-7, you can always text your prayer request. Don't, don't text your comments. I don't really care. But if you have prayer requests, send all of those to 682-702-4606. We should have it on the screen. Well, there yeah. you go. 682-702-4606. CJA4 is on the board. Say hello to everyone tonight. How's it going? He's being really fast and quick about putting those things up, and we appreciate that. Also, hey, we're here with Jacob Isaiah, just yelling. How's it going? And Victory Faith. Hello. Two artists. I got one musician, two artists. And the Adrian Five is really succeeding these days, Amen. all because of the grace of God and the outpouring of the Holy yeah. Spirit. And so I'll go back to what I was saying. Also, if you don't already, if you're not signed up to our, our text messaging and our, our kind of info list, text the word revival to that same number, 682 702 4606, and you'll know everything happening in Revival and Souls Ministries. You'll know, Hey, you'll know everything happening at Deliverance Bible Church and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here. You'll even find out information about, let's see, uh, Revival and Souls Publishing, Revival and Souls Skateboards, Revival and Souls, what else? Sound. Got? Sound. Oh, that's the big, the record label. Man, got some good stuff. Music from Thad Burns, from Mr. Prosperity, for, from, uh, let's Invisible see. Mountain. Invisible Mountain. from Code for One, from... The Weatherford. The Weatherford. What is it? Andrew and Ruth Weatherford. Yep. You got, this is all good music. If I let you out, please put it... I know I did. I left Jacob. somebody out. Jacob Isaiah Jacob right next Isaiah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite, actually, right now. Um, but yeah, you, you want to get all that stuff that's on Spotify. Recently, I had the terrible, but it was great, but terrible task of hanging out with preachers. <laughs> I like preachers. I like the church. I like every... I mean, really, I like... 
I like the Baptist Pentecostals film. I like them all. Everybody. I like them. There's a lot to learn from everyone. Yeah. I think in there a few is. weeks we're going to be hanging out with faith people again. I love it. I love it. There's nothing. I love it. I love anything that's coming from the word and anyone that's glorifying Jesus. But it's kind of a heartbreaking time for me when I hang out with ministers. I mean, you're, my family knows better than anything I will tell you right now. Yeah. Because they've been in a car with me as I rant. And uh, I guess I'm just, you know, our, our ministry is called Revival and Souls. The two things that most preachers I get around have no idea what those words mean. Right. They have, it, just, it just frustrates me. And so all, now they're all interested in this. They all actually, they never stop talking about revival. Right. They never stop talking about winning souls. But they have no grid for what revival is, or maybe no care. I don't know, because they're all praying for revival, they're seeking revival, they're hungry for revival. And I look at them in their eyes and I say, "Hey, we're having, we're in it right now." And all of them do this universal like shoulder shrug, like eh, that's cool, and they go right back to whatever it is they were talking about. And I, I, I don't know if there's a. I mean, I think they're all wanting more of what they already have, or, or maybe they just always they only want revival unless it's happening where they are. Okay, we were. I guess childlike enough to go visit revivals. Yes. Every time I heard about a, a outpouring for 20 years, I got on a plane, I got in a car, whatever yeah, it took. Whatever it took. And I got there, and, and sometimes it was a real deal. Sometimes I missed the outpouring. Sometimes it wasn't the real deal, but I was like, somebody was getting blessed. I said, lay hands on me. If anything's happening here, I'll take it. And that's actually why we're in revival. Yes. That hunger and that that impartation from impartation. other outpourings. Impartation is so key. And I, I think that's what so many people are missing. They're like, well, no, if we pray for revival hard enough, it'll come. But there's an impartation that, that you will receive by people who are already exactly. in revival. That's why when we went to Toronto, we came home with the fire. We went to Tampa. We came home with the fire. Everywhere we've been, when uh, Kansas City, IHOP in Kansas oh, I was City, there the day, next day. went through um, a, a, a short spurt of revival. Yeah, we got on a plane. Well, first we drove and then we went back. We flew back yeah. and we had people lay hands on us, pray for us, and we brought home what was happening there because that's the whole point is that you grab a hold of the spark of whatever's happening and bring it back to you. Well, just imagine for a moment, and I'm going to say this again before. Before I go on, we're nobody's from nowhere. So it's not even that. It's that the Holy Spirit has has taken up residence here. Yeah. Okay. And not just in the building, but in the hearts of the people that have been consistently plugged in here and let their hearts just, I mean, it's like an onion. They got unpeeled to there was nothing left and he took over. I mean, really, that's what's been happening. And yes, we prayed for revival for 15 solid years. Yeah. 20, 2001, the Lord said every Monday morning, 6 a.m., pray for revival. I, hey, that was a task I was completely committed to. And so was our church. And that was true. And that was, you know, sometimes you forget those those days that it was important. Yeah. Okay. And then we had six years of 24 hours, seven days a week prayer in a prayer room. We're actually in that room right now where there were six and a half solid years of, of prayer, which most or the one of the top things to pray about was revival and the winning right. souls. I mean, that's really those, those two. And so all of that was useful, but really what it was taking us to was to be empty. That's, that's, you get to the, revival is at the end of yourself. It's like getting saved all over again, to be honest with you. When Amen. you came to Christ, you got to the end of yourself and then he could do a work in your life. And so that's what happened here. And so, but I think to myself, imagine if these preachers were so hungry for revival, you know, and they said, well, if the, if the outpouring's happening in Hearst, Texas, wherever the heck that is, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to show up. You know, maybe I'll put on dark sunglasses and put my coat up so no one knows I'm, you know, in here and I'll sneak in. And then at the end of the meeting, I'll just be like, hey, Pastor Cleo, can you lay hands on me? And what I would do is I'd lay hands on them. I'd say, just Scott, Lord, whatever you're doing here, just give it to him. 
whatever's real, whatever's legit, whatever's really been happening, just just give it to them. And if their heart's open, they'd go back to their churches, which I'm going to tell you, we hang out with some church, uh, some pastors that have some big churches. Let me tell you that. Like we get around people that have the 20,000, the 10,000, the 5,000, whatever it is, thousands. Okay, we're not a thousands kind of, we're like the little tiny Azusa street that's carrying the spark that could go around the world all over yeah. again. And nothing to our <laughs> our credit, I'll, yeah, I'll say that way. not at all. Um, but I keep thinking, what if one of these guys just humbled themselves and said, hey, I want whatever's happening. And then they take it back to the 20,000 member church that they're sitting in front of it. Right. Man, I mean, think of what would happen. But I get frustrated because I tell them about the outpouring. For six years, I haven't had a single Christian or a single pastor specifically care. Like care. Okay. I mean, they'll, I even know people that are like, I moved to DFW because I knew revival was coming. I'm here to pray for revival. And I go, revival's happening. And they're like, meh. And they just go, they, like, there's no care, okay? I mean, maybe the Lord's just kept their ears shut. And their eyes. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care about that anymore. I've, I've kind of moved on. It just kind of puts me in a place of like, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Okay. But secondly, let's even put the revival thing back there because you don't know until you know. You don't know what revival is until you've seen it, okay? Right. Until you experienced it. I'll say it that way. But the bigger thing that I'm just mind blown over with ministers in America actually globally, I guess, is the lack of basic understanding of the gospel. The basic understanding of the gospel. I always say this, there's two things that every pastor should be required to have before they stand behind any pulpit. Number one, an honest and true born-again experience themselves. That You'd think that was a given. It's not. It's not. Uh, they, they need to be born again. Then number two, they need to be able to simply articulate in a basic way, the gospel message, the gospel message. Okay. I always joked with my wife. I said, if we did a, if I was standing in front of a pastor's conference and I said, okay, everyone take an envelope right on the back, the gospel, you just get the back of an envelope. Like, you know, it's like a business deal. All you guys, the back, write down the gospel, turn them in. I, there'd be a different answer for every person. And all of them would be so, so different. And a lot of them be cute. You know, well, God is love. That's the gospel. Well, that, that might be the motivation of the gospel, but that's not the gospel message. Or someone would say, well, like Jesus died for us. Well, that's part of the gospel with absolutely no explanation of what that even means. Um, I mean, they'd have a whole bunch of them. Okay. Uh, you must be born again. Okay. What the heck does that mean to anybody? You have to understand how to give the gospel, not only to your church, but anytime you are uh, able. And I don't know about you, but hanging out with with ministers and church-y stuff, which I love them, bless them, I like them. But sometimes I look at them and I'm like, have you guys ever talked to a lost person in your life? Right. Have you ever, have you ever just talked to us? Like, if, have you ever been at uh, the grocery store and had a conversation about Jesus? Have you ever had, have you ever done real missions? I'll get to that in a little bit maybe, but real missions, preaching the gospel. And so I'm blown away. Well, what is the God? You know, like, here, I'll just nail myself real fast. What's the gospel? The gospel means the good news. Well, good news is only good news in light of bad news. What's the bad news? The man's a sinner. Okay, he's born into sin. He's continued in sin. He's sinned against a holy God, and that holy and just God will hold that man or woman uh, accountable, not only here, but eternally, okay, in a place called hell. That's because he's righteous, and God condemns sin. And all of us, too bad, let me wake you up. We've all sinned against him. We've all done it. There's none of us that are different. We, one thing in common, our Pastor Parsley said, the one thing we all have in common is sin. Amen. I believe it. We all have done it. We've all fallen for it. We've all committed it. We've all 
Loved it, okay? But the good news is that this same God is a God of love. And 2,000 years ago, he sent his perfect and beautiful and only son to be a perfect sacrifice to pay our fine between us and a holy God, to settle the sin crime, the sin problem, the sin destiny, the sin damnation that we all deserve. Christ takes our place on the cross. He dies on our place. He goes to the grave on our place. And then he beats hell and damnation on our behalf. He then, proving his Godhead, rises from the dead three days later, ascends to the right hand of the Father to make way always and forever, as long as this earth is turning, for sinners if they are willing to repent of their sins and put their faith in what he did to be received back to God. Not just, not just in heaven someday, but that's part of it, but also now and forever be reunited to God because our sins have been washed away. Okay, that, that's okay. I mean, that, that's, what I just said is pretty basic, but if I was talking to a sinner, I'm gonna have to break it down to pieces, yeah, aren't you I? Yeah, are. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, what is- Well, you were saying all that, and I'm like, well- Okay, I understand that, but right. you need to, okay, you kept saying the word sin, exactly. sinners. So yeah. what does that mean? Because I think <laughs> most people are like, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm a good person. Well, okay, First John, First John 3, 4 says that all sin is lawlessness. Okay, lawlessness. Uh, law, that's how God counts sin. Lawlessness, that doesn't mean to live without a law. It means to live as if there's no law or to live in disregard of a law. That means to do what I want when I want with no regard or accountability to a standard. Okay. The problem is God gave us a standard. Yeah. And whether you are an atheist, whether you are, you know, call yourself a Christian, whether you're a Hindu, whether you're a, whatever it is, the standard has been placed on your heart. The standard of the law. Well, what, what law? Okay. Well, let's make it basic. The, the basic moral law of God, we call it the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm saying? We call it that. You might say, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. You do. You do believe in it. The Ten Commandments say it's wrong to lie, okay? And all liars have their place in the lake of fire. It's wrong to steal. No, no thief will make it into the kingdom of God. It's wrong to have uh, to be a murderer, but then it's defined later in the scriptures having hatred in your heart. So if you're racist or you're hateful or whatever, okay, that's considered murder before God, and no murderer has eternal life. These are, these are basic scriptures I'm putting together. And you say, well, I still don't believe it. You do believe it. Because, and I can prove it, when someone steals from you, you instantly like, that's wrong. Someone lies to you, you're like, no, that's, you're a liar. Like, what's, in, I don't, you know, I've heard people tell people, don't ever lie to me. You know, you've heard women say to men, don't you ever lie to me, as if she's never lied, okay? The problem is we're really good at identifying the law or God's standard in other people. We carry it around. Right. We carry it around. But we all live as if it doesn't apply to us. Okay, so we hate our neighbor. Oh, who cares? You know, I'm a good person. You know, really under my own standard, I'm a good person. But it's God's standard that matters. I think I have some scriptures about the law. Let's see. Well, I'll tell you this. In Mark chapter 8, this is the one that comes to me. Um, Jesus is, is uh, approached by the rich young ruler. I don't know if that's his first, middle, and last name, but he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler of some kind. And he comes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, how can, I, how can I go to heaven? Imagine preachers out there. Someone comes to you. How do I get to go to heaven? How can I be in the kingdom of God? How can I become a Christian? You know. And Jesus is like, I tell you what, follow the commandments. And I know Jesus like, you know, put his arms like this, was like, yeah, what about that? Like, and the guy's like, I've done all, I've been perfect. I've, I've, I've kept all the commandments. Then Jesus nails the guy because he says, what about, you know, your idolatry in the fact that you love your money, you worship your money, you won't let go of your money. Jesus wasn't against money. He was against serving and worshiping it as a God. Well, he was hitting the first and second commandments. 
No other God before me. You shall not bow down to any graven image. He was busting the guy. And the guy is like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know if I can let go of this. Jesus is like, yeah, get rid of all your money. Come follow me. It says that Jesus said it because he loved him, by the way. But he points him to the moral code, the moral, whether this guy was Jewish or not, we believe he's probably Jewish in the story. You know, that seems right in the story. However, even if he wasn't, Jesus is like, what about the standard that you carry on your heart? What about it? And that's the purpose of the law. I, I read Romans 3, 319. Whatever the law says, it says so that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Why is the law important? Okay, because the law, the Ten Commandments, brought up uh, verbally, brought up written, you know, it's brought to people's revelation. You bring it to them. You have to bring the standard to people. Why do we do that? Because it actually shuts our mouth. And we're like, we're all guilty. You know, if you go through the Ten Commandments, I dare anyone listening tonight, go study them. Weigh yourself to them. Put your, put them, make them a mirror before you and, and, and start to say, well, am I a sinner? Am I living lawless? Have I? The truth is we'll all find ourselves guilty. Galatians 3.24, though, tells the power of the law. The law was or is our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Why is the law important? Okay, the law is important to be preached to sinners, which we all were. We, some of you are. Some of, we all, you know what I'm saying? We're all still into the same thing without Christ. The law is actually what... Um, disarms us. It breaks us down. It makes us weak. It takes away our own ability. It shows us who we really are versus what we think we are, or say we are. It shows us, hey man, we're all liars. We're all thieves. We're all murderers. We're all adulterers. We have lust in our heart. We have anger in our heart, whatever. You know, we're selfish. It breaks us down and it shows us our need for a savior. Well, you know, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Okay, hey, everyone's a sinner. Everyone's a lawbreaker. Who stinking cares? That's what most people would say at this point. The big deal is this, is that uh, we have a God that's good, and he's just, and he demands justice. Hebrews 9.27 hits us right where it hurts, you know. It says, it is appointed for men to die once, but after judgment. After judgment. My judgment, your judgment. Oh, no, perfect God's judgment. If we die in our sin, well, say what you always say. I know Duncan gave you that years ago. Yeah, well, it's a good you have way to, to understand say that sin has a destiny. And sin's destiny is hell, where it will burn in the lake of fire and burn away for eternity. And if I'm still attached to my sin, my destiny is the same as my sin's destiny. And that was never what God intended. But if we choose to hold on to our sin and our sin nature, we're still attached to that destiny. Right. And so, even though hell was not designed for mankind, mankind that holds on to his sin nature and will not let go and will yeah. not will not yield, I'll put it that way, he's going to end up in the place that God designed to get rid of sin forever. And so, the big deal is that God guarantees that when we die, we'll all be judged. That we'll be judged. I'll be judged. You'll be judged. We'll all be judged. And if we are judged in that light, which God demands and says he, we will be, We'll be judged according to breaking his law. We'll be judged according to ignoring our conscience, ignoring the fact that we lie and we don't care. We steal and we don't mind. We have adultery, you know, adultery and lust in our hearts, and we don't think it's a big deal. And we sin and we sin. I know before I came to Christ, I was like a professional sinner. Couldn't sin enough, couldn't stop sinning, couldn't get enough sin. I was completely uh, addicted and overtaken and absorbed by, by sin. And that is because my sin nature is what was running my life. I had been born into sin, I'd lived up to sin, and I'd become the sin uh, that God judges in every area. And so the big deal is that we're doomed, okay? 
if we get judged by what we have done and what we haven't done according to God's standards. So next, you know, what did Jesus do? Give, right. give some scriptures real fast. What did right. Jesus do to handle this? So Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so Christ gets in our place. He takes our fine. God sends his son and Christ takes our, our fine. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. Okay, so Jesus doesn't just take on our sin, he becomes sin. Yeah. He takes our place completely and forever. He he becomes all of our lies. He becomes, he doesn't commit them, he becomes them. He takes on my punishment, but he takes on my punishment as me, literally. Amen. That That's huge to me. Yeah. Go over to Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. So Jesus takes on our sin as an act of mercy, as an act of love, this judging perfect God, okay, this perfect, I guess I'll say it this way, this perfect God of justice demands justice, demands uh, sin to be judged. And instead of you and I being judged, he's like, I'm gonna make a way out by putting my son in your place. He's gonna do what you couldn't do. He is gonna pay the fine that you can't pay because God accounts sin as death. Sin equals death. The moment I sin, I lost my entire ability to pay that back. And so he begins, Jesus steps in. He's like, I'll take it from you. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a break and we're going to get to, well, okay, cool. Then, then what? Everyone at home should say like, well, then what? Okay, then we're what? sinners. We broke God's standard. God's going to judge us. Jesus took the fine. Well, then cool. Well, I guess we're all fine and everyone's going to heaven. Well, I tell you what, let's take a break. We'll get back to it. It is Friday, July 15th, and you're tuning in to Revival and Souls Radio with Pastor Cletus. Amen, amen. And Lady Nicole, that's me. We're glad you're with us tonight. And um, as we said before, jump in the chat. Let us know you're here. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, feel free to put those in the chat. Or if you have prayer requests and you want to text us at 682-702-4606, you can do that. As well as if you text the word REVIVAL to 682-702-4606, you can stay connected to everything that's happening here at Deliverance Bible Church and through Revival and Souls Radio and Ministries. And if you want to jump into the services that we have each week, we can let you know when those are happening. So feel free to do that. So we're glad you're with us tonight. Praise the Lord. So we're talking about the gospel. You know, the biggest thing we're talking about is that sin's the problem. By the way, there's no other problem under uh, heaven. There's no issue between man and God except sin. Sin's Amen. the only problem. Sin is the only problem. Sin is it's the problem is not uh, you know the, the style of, of music. The style the, the problem is not the way people look. The problem is not your color. The problem is I mean none of these right. things. Your nationality. None, the problem is sin. And sin is defined as lawlessness, living as if there is no law, ignoring God's standard and doing what we want. The problem is that God's a good judge and he demands justice and not just uh, temporal judgment, uh, justice, but eternal just, justice. And so it's a big deal. Uh, the good news is that Jesus gave his life on our behalf to pay our fine, to make a way back to the Father, make our way back to God so that we could come to him and be received by him, no longer as sinners, but as children of God. The only thing is, uh, you know, a universalist would be like, well, then we're all good. Hey, Jesus paid the fine. Let's all live what do we want, and then we can go to heaven. Well, 
what's work what's like re- that. what's required i guess i'll ask you what's required yeah, what's required well repentance is required repentance okay jesus said it himself repentance so, is required so repentance must be like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry like years ago i would do evangelism out here in front of our church and everywhere else in texas is the greatest and worst place to ever preach the gospel right because everybody's like yeah 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 i got baptized at the first baptist church of the methodist persuasion you know whatever they don't even know what they're talking about um i got christened when i was six and a half weeks old or whatever um but repent i remember years ago i was out here and this guy says Oh, I'm fine. I, I I know I sin every day, but I say I'm sorry every night. And I was like, that's not repentance. He's like, oh, but I say I'm sorry. And I started giving the gospel and he's like walking away like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everything's fine. And he's like almost walks into the street backwards. And uh, it's because, you know, the church has forgotten what repentance means. Repentance does not mean, I'm sorry. Repentance does not um, mean, well, you know, I'll try better. Repentance means to acknowledge our sin before a holy God and the decision, this is the decision, to let go of who we have become. Right. To let go, to turn from, once and for all, the person that we have become, this sinful, sin-filled, how about that, sin-filled, sinful person that we have become. And it's really the choice to let go of the sin nature. I never tell people, uh, you need to repent of your sins. I always tell people you need to repent and turn from your sin nature, the person you've come. The problem is uh, not what you, okay, people are like, well, it's what people do. No, the sins we commit happen because of the sin that we are. Yeah, amen. It's the sin nature that uh, causes sins. You're, you're not a sinner because you lied. You lied because you're a sinner. Does that make sense? Am I saying that right? Yeah, so, yeah. So as I, say, I think I said the same thing twice, but I saw it different. Okay. It's not that, well, I lied, I stole, I did these things, and that made me a sinner. No, I am a sinner, and that's why I lied, I stole, I did these things. It's what comes out of us. The sin nature cannot be, um, it cannot be coerced in a different direction. The sin nature cannot be solved with a 12-step program. The sin nature cannot be counseled out of someone. The sin nature can actually not even be cast out of someone. You know, people are like, well, I'll cast that out of you. Well, you can't, the sin nature has to be decided upon in the sense of you have to be willing to die to it. Yeah, come on. To die to it. Like, I die to it. I, I, I am a sinner. I can't stop sinning. It's the truth. I, if I die right now, I'll be judged before a holy God. I'd live in eternity in a place called hell because I would deserve it. Not because, um, well, that's just how, no, I would deserve it. And I realize that the problem is that I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I am full of sin. My sin nature has completely corroded and corrupted me from one end to another, and I have no hope in myself. I cannot be reformed in a natural way. I cannot, you know, become a good citizen, become a good Christian. These things are not possible because I realize I have sinned against a holy God and I cannot stop. And the only thing I can do is die to the person that I become. That's a choice. It's to let go completely. You never hear that kind of stuff. No. You, you never hear that kind of stuff. You hear people say, come to the altar and we'll pray for you and everything's fine. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Like, there's going to have to be a place where you're like, you have to die to yourself. They used to make me do sinner's prayers and altar calls at these places. Then I would do the sinner's prayer and they'd be like, oh, good. And you can't, you can't say that. You can't tell repentance. You can't, you can't preach repentance to sinners that want to, they just want to come up and ask Jesus into their heart. They want baby Jesus to live on the left side of the, you know, they want over here on this side. They want Jesus right here and they want to keep him there. And they want to have a good life. And they want, are you kidding? You don't, they, they couldn't stand it. I was like, yeah, you have to die to yourself. Remember I was in some place and they kept bringing, they were like, um, 
if, if you know you're right with God, but your friend's not, both of you come up. And I stopped those two girls in that yeah, aisle. Yeah. And I was like, why are you two coming up together? And it was like the whole room went quiet. It's in front of a few thousand people. And I was like, why are you coming up? Are you both, why are you both, why are you doing that? Because they were like holding arms. And then she was like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, but my friend, she needs to come up here. I said, she can't come by herself because they were making me do an altar call, which is, I tell them up front, like 2% of you guys are actually getting born again right now. That's the, sta- that's the statistics, okay? Um, so you're going to have to make sure, you have to decide you're the one, okay? Uh, and you have to understand what's been said. And I remember I said, why she said, well, I, I'm bringing it up. She didn't want to come up. I said, hey, if she, can't, if she can't make that decision by herself, no decision has been made. Right, come on. And I was like, both of you go sit down. And I, man, I had preachers, they were like, you can't tell. I was like, are you, it's not the gospel. Right. You have to we're be willing to. We're not looking for numbers. We're looking for changed thank lives. You. Thank you. You have to die to yourself. That's repentance in light of God's goodness that he gave Jesus on our behalf, that he paid our fine so that we would not have to go to a devil's hell. It makes sense that we'd say, I let go. I, I, you're right, God. I let go of my sins. And I, and, but we don't hear that. But then secondly, we don't hear the other part, which is faith toward God. I have to let go of my sin, and then I have to lay hold of what Jesus did. I have to literally throw my whole weight of existence on, I'm going to trust that Jesus paid my fine. Uh, go to Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So Acts 3.19 says, repent therefore that your sins may be blotted out, okay? But we also have to, by faith, receive this gift of grace. Uh, we were in, we were like in LA or something years ago, and I've, t- I've told this so many times because I'll never forget it. I told the guy the gospel, and I got to this point. I said, "Jesus paid paid your fine. He did all the work. You have to repent of your sins." He was like, "Yeah, I got that because I'm a I'm a mess." And I said, and "Then you have to receive the fact that Jesus already paid your fine." The guy was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" He's like, "Nobody's gonna do anything for me," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "No, I take care of myself." I was like, he said, he actually got to a point where he's like, I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to burn for my sins because he had the revelation that he was a sinner. But he was not willing to, by faith, receive the fact that Jesus paid his fine. You got to humble yourself on both sides. Some people won't hum- humble themselves to repent. They're like, I'm a good person. I'm not that bad. I've always been good. I'm not as bad as the guy next to me. They won't humble themselves. They won't. The other side won't humble themselves to receive the fact that they cannot save themselves. This is huge. Yeah. I repent of my, I let go. And I lay hold. Well, and that's that's what salvation is. That's what the born again experience is. That's what. It, but what does that even mean? I, we were talking to one of our neighbors one time. I think my son gave him the gospel, and the gospel he gives us he gives this girl the gospel. Well, the next day, the girl comes back and says, uh, "My mom's my mom says she's saved." And my son's like, "Really? What happened?" Well, one time she was gonna die, and someone saved her life, and so she saved. That's why she thought it meant. She was like, that. she had had a near-death experience and someone had saved her physically. So she's like, I don't need Jesus, I've been saved. Like, that's how screwed up things are. That's how bad, people don't even know the terms. So preacher out there, you're gonna have to learn how to discuss this in a way that makes sense. Okay, so it's not enough to repent of your sins and put your faith in Christ Jesus. That's our part. Our part, turn from your sins, put your faith in Christ Jesus. But we need God to respond. Every preacher out there, please hear that. Okay, I know you run them up like cattle. Uh, you bring them to the altar and you have them say a sinner's prayer. And I, that's fine. I'm actually not even against that, but I'm not going to put my faith in that. That doesn't equal salvation. We got to stop teaching Christian mantras. And I mean, really, it's po- um, like hocus pocus. It's like, well, if you say this, then you get this. 
They have to believe it. They have to be willing to turn from their sin. They have to be willing to receive what Christ did. But even then, God weighs the heart. I always say it this way. Salvation still has to come from God. You have to be born again. You have to receive a new heart from God. Ezekiel 36, 26. I love this scripture. Mm. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Okay, so I always go back to John Wesley, who's crying out to God. And he was like, I thought I was a Christian. Well, I'm not a Christian. Finally gets convicted because he saw real Christians. He's in ministry. He's a minister. Hey, preachers out there. This guy's in ministry. John West, John stinking Wesley. Okay, he's traveling the world. He's teaching. He's preaching. Okay, and he's like, something's wrong with me, man, because here I am. I'm scared to die. Here I am. I don't, I've never had an experience with God. I, I'm just... Man, I'm just reading the Bible and thinking I'm a Christian. Then he gets around real Christians who are, they're fearless, okay, of, of this, this horrible find called death because they know they're right with God and they know when they leave this world, they'll be right with God because of the blood of Jesus that's been applied to their heart. They know they've been, they've been converted. And he's convicted. And he goes home and he begins to cry out to God and cry out to God and cry out to God. And then he finally has an experience, an experience where he knows he's born again. We've got to stop telling people they're born again. We have to press them to be made new by the Lord. God has to be involved. We got to stop all this churchianity. We got to stop. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, you're going to have to go on the streets sometime and break it down for people. Yeah. You know what people don't like? They're like, I could never preach repentance. I could never, you know, go out and do these things. Every time I ever go out on the streets, and well, I mean, let me say, I've been preaching the gospel on the streets since 1995, okay, 96, something right, like right that. Right after you got saved. Right after I got saved. I was like, but but then going around the world, you know, we, we have a missions organization. Yeah. We sent missionaries all over the world. Our church, I mean, our church, they're all preachers. Right. Whole church is full. Whole You've church. You've been teaching evangelism for as long as this church has been around. And even specifically 10 years or more, no more than yeah. that, I guess. I want to say for years. several years, you preach the gospel every single service. Two, I, I found that like today. At least two I actually years. found that in something today, 2007 to 2012. Oh, wow. <laughs> five, <laughs> five years. I preached the gospel as the sermon yeah. at our church two times a week. No, actually three times a week for a mm -hmm. while. So every single meeting was the gospel. You say, why would you do that? Because my church finally got saved. Yeah. I told him, I said, you're either going to come to Christ. Because we had a bunch of church people. Mm -hmm that had kind of grown up in youth group and all these yeah. things, but none of them were born again. Well, I told him, I said, you're either going to come to Christ and you're going to give him your life forever, or you're going to run and hide and you're going to hate him forever. Hey, guess what happened? One of those two things for every single person. Yeah. Our church doesn't have people in the middle. We don't have people that are like floundering. They're either all the way in, they're all the way out. And I make sure right. that they know it. They know it. Because we press for, it's not enough to be a church member. It's not enough to sing in the choir or whatever, you know, Phil, we don't have that. But you have to be born again. You have to know that you've repented of your sin, you put your faith in Christ Jesus, and you know he responded by giving you a restart, giving you a new heart, giving you a, a, a out of darkness into light, out of death into life. Okay, those are pretty dramatic. Yeah, you know, the, the scripture says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that Romans we're children 8. of God. And so that that's a real thing. Like yeah. that you, the spirit bears witness with your spirit that you know that you've been born again. Do you remember years ago, people say, you know, they go to an altar and they're like, ask Jesus in your heart and, da -da -da -da, and they, they come up with every scripture they can kind of come up with. And, and then at the end, they're like, and don't let anyone ever talk you out of it. I was like, if it's real, nobody can, first That's of all. right. But I remember people said, well, if the next day, you know, the devil will come and say you're not saved. And I'm like, why would the devil want you to think about your salvation? 
Maybe, maybe it's the Holy Ghost saying, hey, you're not saved. <laughs> because why would the devil want you to rethink? Wouldn't the devil want you to walk away going, I'm saved and everything's I'm fine good. and good. everything's cool and there's no problems? It sounds like it's not. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine the devil trying to make people, hey, you want to make sure. You got to make sure. I'm just telling you, I don't think you are. You got to really make sure. If I'm going to go back to that church next week and make sure. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. No, people say to me, they're like, like, if they try to say you're not a Christian, I'm like, you can't take that out of me. Right. 1995, I was born again. I got restarted. My sins were washed away. I went from a sin nature to a righteousness nature, okay? He took me from death, I understood that, into light, life. It took me from darkness into light. There's no, like, middle areas. People are like, well, this guy prayed a prayer, but now he's a prodigal. Are you sure? If you got born again, you don't have to stress that. Some people say, actually, it's funny. People think that we preach grace too sloppy. You hear that all the time. They're like, oh, you guys are, you're preaching like this crazy grace and you can do whatever you want. I'm like, well, I preach, I actually preach um, crazy grace. I'll put it that way. I'm so, I'm so grace. You can't, ha- I'm, it'll make you, it'll make you run. Okay. I'm so into grace, but I only preach that after a hard gospel. That's right. Man, when you're born again, you can live in grace. Right. But you if you're lost, it. grace. If you're lost, man, I think that's why churches. It's not going to work for you. I think that's, well, I know we're running out of time a little bit, but. But I'll say this, um, a lot of times churches, and I, I'm going to say it again, I love them. This is not me trying to be hard or harsh. Churches go out on the streets and they're like, hey, Jesus loves you and he just wants to hug you and everything's good and you're perfect and you come as you are and everything. And, and then we get them to the church and then we spend the next like four decades being like, get your act together. And right, rah, rah. right. You know, I, well, you know, I had that revelation this morning. I was thinking about that, that whole um, love, Jesus loves you right where you are and come just as you are. I mean, and those things are true. But if you do not give people a real gospel, and explain to them that he loves you right in the yeah. gutter that you're in and the sin that you're in. But he expects you, if if he's going to save you, for you to re- repent and realize why you're in the gutter, that you're in the gutter, that you are in your sin, and that you need him to pull you out of that. It's not that you cleaned your life up or that you decided yeah. to do better. That will not save you. And so I think that there's probably a lot of people that are like, well, they said Jesus loves me and I can come just as I am. So why is everybody mad at me when I sin now? And and why, why yeah. does the church keep telling me I got to do better? Well, they were never born again. And that creates disgruntled people that walk away and say, well, that Jesus thing didn't work for right. me because they didn't understand the gospel in the first place. Well, the gospel place. was never presented to them. Church was presented to them. A Jesus in a bathrobe and slippers, like, you know, that. I don't know, sparkles and glistens came to them, you know, and like, yeah. hey, little girl, everything's fine. It's good. And just try me. There's no such yeah. thing. There's, you know, just ask me into your heart. I heard, I won't, I won't be too hard on this, so I won't say names. I heard a very famous po- uh, politician right now talk about how when they were a little kid, they asked Jesus in their heart, but then they didn't know for 20 years what that meant. They were like, I was saved, but I didn't know what that meant. How can you be saved and not know what that means? How right. can you? How can you be on your way to hell and now you're on your way to heaven and you don't know, you don't know that she was like, she was like later on in life, you know, I, I got my life together and I kept thinking like, how, 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 she's like, well, I was saved, I was saved. Like I was saved my whole life, but I didn't know what that meant. Like, how can you not know what that means? You don't have, that's no gospel understanding. Well, that's not, there's no salvation. How can there be? Like, and if, and if you got your life together, <laughs> you are be? not born again. You did oh, it. Goodness. Like you are not God. Lord Jesus, help us. I, and, and we have so much, I mean, you meet people in the church, they're like, well, I, I don't need the gospel. I've been a Christian my whole life. 
impossible. It's impossible to be a Christian your whole life. Christianity, I say this so much, it's a broken record. Christianity is the only religion under the sun that, that demands that you're not one to become one. Right. You have to be lost to be found. Just because you grew up in the church does not make you a Christian. Just because you're a good old boy from Texas and, you know, you right. keep the, you do your best and you pledge allegiance and all that kind of, you know, we're all sinners. I don't, I, some people are like, well, I'm not that bad. You're the worst. You're the worst because you don't understand. Jesus looked at the Pharisees like, you don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it. I came for the I came for the sick. Come on, I came for the sinful. I called them to repentance. I didn't come for these people that think they're righteous. He's like, you're missing it. And they're like, we're good. He's like, you're missing it. You're the worst ones because you can't see it. And so we have to preach a strong gospel of, I'll say, of sin, righteousness, judgment. We have to preach these things openly. Actually, uh, Acts 10, chapter 10, Peter even says we have to preach judgment. We have to, okay? That's part of the gospel. But we also have to preach repentance of sin, faith toward God, and a true born-again experience. Tonight, if you're like, well, I prayed a prayer, I did this, but I don't know what you're talking about. It's a great night to cry out to God. It's a great night to, to come to him humbly and, and have a willing heart to let go and a willing heart to lay hold of what he has for you and to pray until, John, like John Wesley, you have an experience, a born-again experience. It's not something you do for yourself. You can't on your own be born again. God has to create in you a new heart. Um, and so I guess this all leads real fast. I'll get to this. I guess it leads to, well, then what is, what is evangelism? What's, what's missions? Mark 16, 15 is the best way to look at it. Go ahead Love and read this. that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, that means you're going to have to be willing to go and preach. All my preachers out there, all my pastors out there, you're going to have to say this stuff at some point. You know, some people are so scared to do this. We have preached the gospel. Oh man, we've stood in, we've stood in Hong Kong. We've been in Berlin. We've been in Munich. Norway. We've been in Norway. We've been in South America and Brazil. And we've been, I mean, you name it, New York City, right in Times Square. That was one of my favorite places to preach the gospel. That was like cake right there. That was good. Preaching the gospel on the streets, doing one-on-ones. Uh, and by the way, missions is not... Um, it's not building houses. Missions is not um, water wells. Those are all great. I'm not against those. It's not missions. Um, even mass crusades. It's missions for the guy on the on the platform, I guess. I don't know. I guess that's good. I mean, I'm, I'm down with that. But um, missions is leaving where you currently are and going to a place that you've never been and then preaching in a simple way the gospel to people that have never heard it. And, and every, it says every creature. I don't care if they're rich. I don't care if they're poor. I never, I never go to where I think the broken people are because broken people are any are everywhere. Right. I preach to people with skin. That's what that's why we say. If they got skin, then they need Jesus. I don't care if they're rich, they're poor, they're black, they're white, they're brown. They're, I mean, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I've never ever weighed that, and I think that you fool yourself when you do. I don't think it's legit when you're like, well, where's the more, where's the worst, you know, uh, neighborhood with with people on crack. You know, it's funny if you'd a years ago, years ago, gone to the, the neighborhood where all the crack was sold. I live there. Okay. Yeah. And I was a preacher. <laughs> so you would have come to my house and you'd be like, well, you live here. I was in the crack. I was in, I was yeah. in the worst neighborhood in our area. Gunshots every night. Okay. There were actually few Christians that live there. Uh, I can go to the top of Hollywood Hills, which I have. I can go to the depths of Skid Row, which I have. These are all, it doesn't matter. We preach to every creature. You're going to have to just look at people and realize they have all one problem. And that problem sin. And, you know, I don't know if I, do I have time to get through all this stuff? 
You do. It's good to pass off. Years ago, the Lord gave me something called the six points of gospel preaching. If you'd watched nothing else, you may know, if you didn't write anything else down, write this down. Uh, I looked at the scriptures. The Holy Spirit told me, he said, there's six things that were always preached in the New Testament when the gospel was uh, preached. Six basic understandings. Number one is they always preach sin revealed through the law, sin in the, in the lens of the law. Uh, that'd be like Romans 3.19, Galatians 3.24. Number two, they always preach God as judge, as a righteous judge that would judge sin. That's Hebrews 9.27, Acts 10.42. These are short, like there's a million, million of these, it feels like. Uh, number three, they always uh, preach the finished work of Christ on the cross, that he did all the work. That would be John 19.30, Colossians 2.14, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And then four, of course, they preach repentance, repentance of sin. That'd be Acts 319, 2 Peter 3.9. I had another one I'm trying to remember. Um, number five, they preached absolute faith toward God, this faith towards God. That'd be Ephesians 2.8. They had to have faith that he did the work, that he uh, did all the work, and they couldn't add to it or take away from it. And then finally, number six, the Lord showed me that they always preach salvation is of the Lord. God has to do the work. That's John 3.7, Acts 3.19, the work of conversion. And again, Ezekiel 36, 26, that's not a um, system. Those are just facts. And I've taught that as much as I can. I've taught that to so many people I can't count all over the world. I've passed that along to other ministries. Whether they used it or not, no big deal. It's a good checklist when I'm preaching the gospel to someone. Yeah. I'll say, why don't you read them one more time? Go one through yeah. six. Yeah, so sin revealed through the law, God as judge, the finished work of Christ on the cross, repentance, faith towards God and that salvation is of the Lord. You know, I was thinking, you know, the, the scripture go into all the world and preach, you know, one thing that we have learned being in, in this ministry, I think everyone in our church understands this. It has just become lifestyle that we can really preach to anybody anywhere yeah. at any time. And if you think about when you look at Jesus and how he ministered to people, I always love the example of the woman at the well. Yeah. Like he was just walking through that town and needed something to drink and found that person that right. was standing there. And that's the key, that it doesn't matter if I'm at the grocery store or the gas station or I'm walking at the park or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit can breathe on you to open the door to minister to anybody at any time, anywhere. But if Amen. you don't know the gospel, you're not going to be able to minister to people and you're going to bring confusion to people or you're going to give them something false that turns people away. And so it's really important to number one, make sure that you truly are born again, Amen. first of all. Amen. And then number two, that you actually know how to convey the gospel, not the, the I'm going to hug you and, and Jesus loves you only, but what is the gospel? What gets people born again? Because I may not pray a prayer with someone I meet at the park and have them pray with me at the park, but believe me, after I've done ha I'm done having a conversation with them, their head will not hit the pillow without thinking about their sin nature their need for repentance, Amen. what Christ did for them, and then what are they going to do about it? Are they going to receive by faith, and are they going to cry out to God? So whether I get a chance to pray with somebody or not, it's they've heard it, and now Amen. it's up to them and the Holy Spirit to do something with that. And that's really the key. And that's the truth, and I think we should stop trying to run people through some system and giving them false hope. When someone comes to Christ, they know it. You know, for me, well, they say it takes about 10 times for someone to hear the gospel on average, to, before they receive it or even like process it and make a decision. Um, for me, it was six years after I heard the gospel, six years of thinking about it, trying to run from it. I finally came to Christ in 1995. 
Uh, I heard a great story a few weeks ago from a young man that's been going to our church. He'll appreciate it. I said he was young. Okay. But a young man is going to our church, and he said uh, he was working at like a grocery store. If I'm, I, I believe that's what it was. He's out in the parking lot, and someone just walked up to him and was like, you know, do you, do you believe you're good enough to get to heaven? And the guy was like, yes, because, and he gave all the reasons he was good. And the guy broke down the law. He told him, well, what about this? What about the lying? What about the you know, adultery? What about, what about all these? And he said that like, he was pretty upset. Then the guy walked away and he said he spent like a, you know, a day or two going, I'm not. Like, I'm not. I thought I was okay. And, I, and it brought him to Christ. Amen. And now he's, you know, he's full of the Holy Ghost and just having a good time. And so God turned it around, but it took that, that word. He had to deal with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah so that ahead. it's real. You know, so, so often you hear people say, we've won so many hundreds of people to the Lord. And, and especially around um, in the summertime, everybody puts out these numbers of all the people that they've ministered to in the summertime. And, and that's wonderful. That's I'm not discounting any of that. But then people might think, well, what is Deliverance Bible Church doing? Where's all your numbers? <laughs> we don't we don't count that. We don't sit around counting that and we don't post pictures about it all the time. But because but let me tell you, I probably gave the gospel to a dozen or more people throughout my week. All of us have. Um and you know, and so at the very least gave tracks out to people where I had the opportunity. So but so I mean I can count that and I can put also, all that out there hey. for you, but I, I don't really think it's important to be counting like that. It needs to be everyday lifestyle all the time. I'll give all I'll give our numbers. Okay. Um well it's not really a number, but I'll give I'll give our facts. How about Your that? stats. Here's our stats. Um I've got a church where all the adults are born again. Yes. For real. And we have and spirit filled and spirit filled all of them, all of them, all mm -hmm. like the whole, the entire church right now. And I'm being serious are born again and spirit filled all, every adult. And then number two, we have children as young as what, like four or five or maybe six, I'm, or, seven, six or seven, maybe. six or seven, getting radically actually born again mm -hmm. and baptized in the and Holy baptized spirit. In the Holy spirit. We're talking little kids and we're seeing it happen. And you For say, real. and you're saying, okay, six or seven, I thought younger, but it, so six or seven year olds that. Oh yeah, there may be some younger. Maybe, yeah, maybe that uh, if you were like, well, well, how'd that, their parents preach to them, sin, righteousness, judgment, the, the cost of sin about hell, repentance, faith over and over and over and over. And literally told them things like, like you need to get right with God. They're talking to their children. Then their children have an absolute actual encounter with God through repentance and faith. God responds gives them a new heart and the whole church could tell within 24 hours. Yep. Well, I, I mean, I think sometimes I, I have these beautiful children on the, on usually on the front yeah. row or the second row. Yeah. Right here. Man. Yeah. She's five. That's right. Five. She's only five. Okay. We all knew something happened. I, I, I went home and I was like, I was like, Nicole, something legit yeah. happened to these kids. I said, because it's they obvious. are not the same. It is obvious. And it that's was, key. There's fruit. Jesus said it. There's fruit. There's yeah, got to be not, fruit. It wasn't play. It wasn't, it wasn't church. It was actual born again experiences and everyone could tell. Well, let me tell you this. If nothing else, get in your Bible, get the gospel in you, study these things, be willing and able to say, Holy Ghost, lead me into divine encounters where I can articulate the gospel in a simple way. If you want to go back and write down those six points, or if you want to text, actually, if you want to text me, I'll at 682-702-702. 4606. I will send you those six points so you have them forever and you can use them. You can learn them. You can study them and it will get you in motion. 
Uh, yeah, I'll say it again, 682-702-4606. Just send a text that says six points, and you'll get them within the next 24 hours. I have no idea how quick I can do it. But if I get one, I'll get the rest. But um, we'll make that happen because we want you to be able to give away what God has already given you. I will tell you this. Amen. If tonight was a blessing to you, ask the Holy Spirit, how can I sow into this ministry? How can I be a part of what God's doing with revival and souls and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Deliverance Bible Church? The easiest way and the best way to sow into this ministry is through Cash App. Our cash tag is dollar sign revival and souls. That's dollar sign revival and souls. You can also just go to cash.me slash revival and souls. It's in the chat right now. Also, if you're one of those PayPal people, what are those, those guys? Uh, we also have a PayPal. Our PayPal is paypal.me slash revival and souls. And hey, you want to be a part of what God's doing here? Tell them about the next yeah. meeting with God. Yeah, so our next meeting with God will be this Sunday, July 17th at 2 p.m. We want you to come out and be a part of that. Amen. And God really is moving and legit actual revival yeah. is taking yeah. place. And souls are being won on the streets and the Holy Spirit's being poured out in the house. Yeah. I Amen. want to say thanks to everyone that subscribed and, yes. and all the anonymous goodness, subscribing. That's great. That that blesses um, what we're doing here. And, and I just always encourage you get on, you know, subscribe, be a part of this. Go back on YouTube when we post these. Yeah. And, Share it. and um, I guess you so subscribe there as as well like it share all those kinds of things really help get it out there the more that that it's viewed the more that's seen so all of you guys that are connected with us tonight get online and do that for us Amen. as well well father bless your people tonight fill each one with your mighty holy ghost lord bless them keep them prosper them keep them safe and healthy and strong and use them for your glory and your gospel this week and even tonight and I pray blessing over each one of them in Jesus mighty name amen we love you guys we'll see yes. you this Sunday at 2 p.m as we just encounter more of him. Be blessed, be blessed, be blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Awesome. To just receive his blessing, to just receive his goodness, his righteousness is a gift.